Hi, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour. Welcome to 2019, Anna. I can't believe this year is finally here and we said goodbye to 2018 for good, aka the worst year ever. Because it's a fresh, brand new year, we're excited to fill it with awesome discussion and timely episodes. Today, we're talking about what we've been reading, the books we're looking forward to in the first quarter of the year, Robots vs. Fairies number six, Miss Marvel volume eight, and the one thing that we've been obsessing over. Some quick housekeeping. 2018, Renee and Anna were different people with more time and more energy. 2019, Renee and Anna have much less of those two things. So we've made some big decisions. The first is that this episode marks the last single story discussion of Robots vs. Fairies. We'll be doing a whole segment covering the rest of the stories to wrap up very soon. Next, we're dropping to two media segments per episode, combining our rec section with our what we're reading and watching segment. And we plan to pull way back on adding new features that aren't directly tied to and supported by our Patreon. If you're a patron, please stop by and read some of our recent posts. Just like us, you have some decisions to make as well. We just wanted to say thank you so much to all of you for being patient with us over the last seven months and for all of your lovely emails that you sent us. We really appreciate all of you. Also, I believe you are forgetting something very important. It's our fourth anniversary. Happy anniversary to us! Yay! Go Space Bees! Let's hop right into it and talk about what we've been reading. I've been catching up with some of um, 2018 books that I didn't get around to reading. And I just finished The Consuming Fire by John Scozzi, Renee's favorite. And I have to say, it's probably my favorite book of his so far. It's a super great sequel to The Collapsing Empire. And it's really funny, too. And also full of twists. All of the things that I needed and wanted to read. I then caught up with the latest book in the Wong and Wells mystery series by Robin Stevens, Death in the Spotlight, in which the two teenage girls who are detectives are part of a theatre group in London and they get roped into another murder mystery. And, which is really, really super great, Daisy, one of the girls, comes out as queer in this book. And it's set in the 30s. So it's even greater that this is happening in this series. Mind you, this is a series for kids. So it's all the more amazing that this happened. I love these two girls so much on this series as a whole. And finally, I am reading right now Three Bags Full by Leonie... Swan and I wanted to say Renee was it was you right who recommended this to me super great I'm really enjoying it it's about a flock of sheep that one day wake up and find their shepherd has been murdered and they decide to investigate and it's all from the sheep's perspective so you can imagine their 
viewpoints being all about being cheap. I love this book. It's really fun and funny so far. And it's a murder mystery, so. I didn't think I would like it because I'm not generally a fan of murder mysteries. However, the little framing device with the sheep really worked for me. And I also found the end like very heartwarming. Oh, good. I have, I'm still like 100 pages in. Don't say anything, but thanks for the recommendation. I think I kept meaning to buy this book for such a long time. It was on my wish list and I could not find it in the UK. And then when I was doing my Christmas shopping, I was browsing at the bookstore and it was just right there. I could barely believe my eyes. What a great Christmas present to myself. How about you, Renee? What have you been reading? So over the holiday, I read the entire Court of Fives trilogy by Kate Elliott. That includes Court of Fives, Poison Blade, and Buried Heart. I had read Court of Fives and Poison Blade before, but I reread them so I would be prepared for Buried Heart. And I am so in love with this series. I love it so much. It's so good. It deals with colonialism and being the child of two different cultures and how you navigate that path in life. The romance, I was very, very, very charmed by it, which is really abnormal for me with YA novels. I know that Kate Elliott hasn't written a ton of YA besides this. So as her first outing, I was blown away. I don't have enough nice words to fling at this series. I love this series too. Buried Heart was a perfect ending. I'm currently reading The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells because I have declared that 2019 is like the year that I reread books so I can finish series and that I reread books that I just want to reread because I want to reread them and I don't feel shame about it. I feel a lot of shame about when I reread because the whole world's like rereading there's no time for that there's so many books why would you reread old ones i feel very judged sometimes by the world don't let the world judge you obviously i've also been reading a bunch of fanfic one of the stories that i really loved when i read it is called to be known it is sort of like a crossover between kj charles society of gentlemen series and her new novel from this year, Band Sinister. And it's just this charming crossover that really gets the tone of KJ Charles's work. And that's that's all the stuff that I've been reading. It's been a good start of the year so far. Space Bees, come to us on Twitter at FangirlPod and tell us what you've been reading. I.e. give me Rex. Thank you very much. A new year means new books and tons and tons of anticipated book lists. And we're no different. We're taking part as well. Anna, what is on your anticipated book list for the first quarter? So many books, Renee. So many books. The first one is a sequel to a book I really enjoyed at the beginning of last year. It's The Vanishing Stair by Maureen Johnson. It's a historical crime novel. Well, it's half-half, really, because part of it is set in the 20s and part of it is set in our times with a girl who is at school investigating a the vanishing of a girl. The first book was truly devious and 
I really, really liked it way more than I was expecting. So I'm looking forward to the vanishing set, which comes out now in January 15. I have it on pre-order. The second one is a book that comes out on the 26th of February. It's called We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Mejia, I think. The thing that really amuses me is the description of this book. So it's kind of like a handmade tale kind of thing because it has it's kind of like a dystopian society with girls that are brought up and trained to become different type of women that they could be like they could be working at someone's house or they can be marrying, you know, you know the drill. But the way that it is described is a daring and romantic fantasy debut perfect for fans of The Handmaid's Tale. Daring and romantic fantasy used to describe something that is similar to Handmaid's Tale. I'm not so sure about this. Maybe it's like for fans of The Handmaid's Tale that would like a better ending or something like this. There's something missing from this sentence. Uh, It's just, it's a really weird marketing copy. The other one that I really want to read is the new book by um, Cameron Hurley out on the 19th of March. It's called The Light Brigade. And it's about soldiers that are broken into light in order to get them to the front lines on Mars. I don't know how that works or how that's going to work. I fully expect it to be really, really dark and heavy and fucked up. So we shall see. Next one is The True Queen by Zen Show, which is the sequel to The Sorcerer's Crown. And it's about two sisters wake up one day and they realize they have no memory. And they need to go and seek the Sorceress Royale to sort out what happened to them. The Sorceress Royal? The Sorceress Royale. I like to say it like this. I'm so sorry for my Brazilianness. And finally, a book that I am sure no one will be surprised to hear it's on my list, The Return of the Thief by Megan Whalen Turner, which is out in March. And it's the last book ever in the Queen's Thief series. About you, Renee, what do you have for us? I'm sure I'll be wanting to read the books on your list too. The first book is Any Old Diamonds by K.J. Charles. This is a book about the son of a duke who I guess resents his father and his father is giving his new, his duchess, some kind of gift and the son decides to steal it. So it is a jewel heist, but the son hires this notorious person to help him and he disguises himself as the duke's son's friend. And also there's going to be banging and there will be feelings. It is out on January 30th from KJC Books. She is a self-published author. See what I was saying? You start listing things and I'm like, I already want to read this too, Renee. My next book is The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlotte Jane Anders. This has a very vague blurb, but it seems to be about a tidally locked planet and the politics on this planet are very much tied to the dark side of the planet and the light side of the planet and who lives where. It comes out on February 12th from Tor. It comes out at the perfect time because now I can read it and then take it with me to Wiscon in May because Charlie Jane is one of the guests of honors this year. I am so excited. Charlie Jane is lovely. She's so smart and has so many great ideas. I can't wait to see what this book is about because I loved All the Birds in the Sky. My next book is The Fever King by Victoria Lee. I stumbled across this book when I was looking for 2019 releases. And I had searched for technology and magic or something. And this is the one that popped up for me. 
because this features like a world with magic and a main character whose whole family was killed by some type of viral magic and it turned him into a technopath who could interact with technology once that comes out that he can interact with technology the enemy like pulls him into their ranks to train him and he decides to be trained so he can use their own power against them except uh uh-oh the enemy has a son and he's hot here for it this is out march 1st from skyscape my fourth book is a sequel and i think the last book in the bone witch series by rin Peko that i've been following it's called the shadow glass I don't want to say too much because there are spoilers for the first and second books, but I love the series because of all the powerful women. There are giant monsters that women control, and I really like the framing device. There's also a very great sibling relationship here. I also really love the romance in this one as well. You mentioned romance, I think, in every single one of your books in the list, apart from the city in the middle of the night. I just want to read some face mention, Anna. It's been a rough year. That's really interesting because whenever that happens, that's the thing that I least want to read about. I want to read about murders. Well, we see now where we differ. You get sad and bad things happen. You're like, okay, I got to go read about killing some people. And I'm like, I want to read about fluffy romance and love. Exactly. We all have our own coping mechanisms. My last book is The Women's War by Jenna Glass. This seems to be like an epic fantasy where women discover magic that lets them control their own reproduction. It basically results in women deciding, hey, fuckos, guess what? I don't know how this is going to go. Because I think the last novel like this I read, which was The Power by Naomi Alderman, like I liked it, but it also like erased queer people. It was very gender essentialist so i'm really curious about this one but i'm also you know i have some reservations because if your book about reproductive politics doesn't include like non-binary and trans people i'm not sure your world building is that great fingers crossed for the women's war by jenna glass it is out on march 5th from delray and also the shadow glass is out march 1st by source books fire because i think i forgot to say and those are five books that I'm excited about. Five out of many, right? <laughs> and that's a great transition point, Anna. Thank you. One thing that still makes me super livid and that I see constantly still is anticipated book lists filled with white men. I've got nothing against white folks since I am white, but I still think that if your anticipated book list is all white and all cis male, you're doing yourself a disservice. Although I don't even know why I'm talking to these people because they would never listen to our show. They are not our target audience. So I'm just preaching to the choir. Anyway, this quarter has a whole lot of books. There are debuts and there are new series and there are sequels and there are finales. And it's a big, amazing group of books being published. I'm going to read part of the list that I've collected over the last few weeks to you. Okay. Obviously, Anna and I can't talk about every book in depth. Even if you wanted to, because that would be long. Maybe we could have an episode with just us reading. That would be so boring. (laughs) But I'm going to give everybody a taste of what that might be like right now. I'm going to read out the first quarter books that I found that I think people might be interested in. The Girl King by Mimi Yu. The Gilded Wolves by Rosani Chaksi. Undying by Amy Kaufman and Megan Spooner. Internment by Samira Ahmed. Cast in Oblivion by Michelle Sagara. Dragon Pearl by Yoon Ha Lee. 
Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James, The Haunting of Tram Cars 015 by P. DeJelly Clark, The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker, The Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons, White Stag by Cara Barbieri, The Winter of the Witch by Catherine Arden, The Kingdom of Copper by S.A. Chakra Borti, Polaris Rising by Jesse Mihalik, The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon, The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie, Ancestral Night by Elizabeth Bear, The Bird King by G. Willow Wilson, A Memory Called Empire by R. Katie Martin, The Deepest Blue by Sarah Beth Thurst, The Everlasting Rose by Danielle Clayton, Do You Dream of Terra 2 by Timmy O, The Last Eight by Laura Paul, The Rosewater Insurrection by Tate Thompson, New Sons, Original Speculative Fiction by People of Color, edited by Nisi Shaw, Once in Future by Corey McCarthy and Amy Rose Capetta, and Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tommy Adeyemi. That's a lot of great books that are coming out. That is just so many. And I am pretty sure you haven't found every single book that is coming out. So it really is a matter of self-restriction if your list only has books by white dudes. But that is a nice list of books that you could look up. They will be in our show notes. We will list all of them. So you can go to Goodreads and add it to your to read list. You're welcome. Those are some of the things that we're excited about and some of the things coming out in the first quarter. But if there's something we left off the list, if there's something you think we might like, if there's something that you're excited about, you should hit us up on Twitter at FangirlPod and let us know about it. We're continuing our journey through the Robots vs. Fairy anthology. Today we are discussing story number six called Ironheart by Jonathan Mayberry. It is a team robot story and it's about a veteran who returns from war with a robot heart to his grandparents' farm where a bunch of robots used to work it but all the robots are breaking down much like this veteran's heart. This story made me very upset. For what reason? My dad is a Vietnam veteran. It was very hard to read the story. Currently, the way we handle veterans who have come home and are disabled in some way, especially if they're 100% service-connected disabled, so 100% of their disability is a result of their time in service, which in this story, our main character, Duke, he would be 100% service-connected disabled. The way they're treated is bad. Wait times for doctors, the way doctors treat them, is broken. The system is broken. And of course, right now, the VA has been being run by like Donald Trump's friends out of his country club. Like, illegally. Unless that's changed recently. Who knows? I don't know what the hell's going on with our country when it comes to veterans. But, like, the literally the only thing that I ever agree with Republicans on is the way we treat veterans. That's it. And it was really hard to read the story and go through what Duke was going through as the robot heart that they gave him to save his life failed. But there was also this strain through the story of Duke being very resentful that the doctor's worked so hard to save his life because the story goes on to say he died five times and they saved him all five times and they were very smug about it that feeling that emotion where you just get really resentful at the doctors for saving your life and acting like heroes for doing so is something that like i'm very familiar with when the quality of life of that person is not going to be good my dad was in vietnam and he fought for 20 years to even get his benefits and so the story just really hit me hard 
because it imagines a future in which, yeah, cool, we have robots and we have robotic hearts. I mean, that's a reality that we have right now. Robot hearts are a thing. There's a kid in Arkansas who just got one and it's keeping him alive. They saved him and they're working to find him a transplant donor because it, it won't hold out forever. But the technology is here. We have it. So it was nice to see that the technology was here and that we have it. But it was also very depressing to be reading this far future. I think this was set in the 2070s where we have all this cool tech, but veterans are still being treated like utter shit. And health insurance is still eating up people's savings. And um, one of the reasons why everybody's struggling, including his grandparents uh, who are taking care of him, is that they can't afford all the treatments and the meds that he needs. And that's another reason why he's so resentful too. I agree with you that it's like, it's, it's the future and we can't imagine a better future it's so sad. Human ingenuity and imagination to build all these farming robots has continued to grow because humans can imagine these great things. But in this world, humans have imagined robots that will do all these things and tasks for humans, but they haven't got their shit together enough to value human life enough to have universal health care and to value people who go to fight wars enough to take care of them when they come home. And that's just so brutally awful to me. And I know there's some stuff happening in the story that happens at the end of it where something about Duke's blood and him spilling blood while he's trying to work on one of the farm robots somehow revives the robot. There's something happening with that. But it just got overshadowed by the political commentary and the rest of the story for me. Because the the toll that healthcare and insurance and everything takes on not even the people who have the health problems, but also the people around them is just massive and the pain unexpressible. It felt very real, very topical, which is at odds with the fact that the story is in the future. I'm not sure how to feel about that because on the one hand, it's extrapolating that if we continue on this road, nothing's going to change really. I mean, apparently we're going to get cool new tech, but humans are still going to be suffering. But that's not outside of, sadly, the reality where we live in. It just feels like things are getting worse and worse. I guess it was just really hard for me to read the story now because like, I'm watching my dad die in slow motion from the fact that he was so long denied true health care from the VA and that they drug their feet so long on giving him the means to take care of himself. I mean, yeah, sure, there's robots in the story, but also the story is just fucking bleak. This kid who went off to war came home and then just sent home to die. It's just, it just hit me really close to home, I guess. And he has to take 36 pills every day. No, not 36 pills every day. 36 pills in the morning and 36 pills at night. That's true. That's where all the saves of the family are going to. There's just no reason for this. If we can pay the money necessary to build these like autonomous robots, you can do these really specific tasks, but we can't pay for people to have health care. What kind of future are we building? Because if you look at the story, there are robots for fucking everything. It's just so specific that in this future, there's all these specific types of robots for these really, really specific tasks. But we still haven't figured out as a people how to have people have health care. We haven't realized how not to have useless wars that don't require our kids to come home broken. It felt like it was trying to be a hopeful story, but in reality, it's not. Like the weird ending where the blood is reviving the robot 
I mean, I guess. Sure. Okay. Um, if you want to add some magic to your robot story, that's fine. So the cool robot toys go on, but humans continue to die. I don't know. It was just, it was a pretty bleak story. And I am assuming a deliberate commentary on the way we treat human beings and veterans in particular. Yes. Yeah, this was Al. Yeah, I'm sorry that it became very personal. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was personal from the very beginning because the pills, the pills, the number of pills that I've watched my dad take over the years. Like, if there was going to be an anthology talking about the cost of war, I'd be like, hey, uh, editor, you need to hit up Jonathan Mayberry and include the story. I just felt very tonally weird for this specific anthology. Because, I mean, I know we've had dark stories, like pretty dark stories. But, like, I would call this story darker than even the one by Sarah Gailey for me. I see that. There's one thing to be, like, you know, fairies and magic and fairies are dark. But there's another, but there's a whole other level of, like, digging into, like, how the United States of America treats people in general and veterans specifically. And it was just fucking dark. Because if you look at it as, like, a larger metaphor, I guess, the robots that people use on the farm are robots, right? But the government treats humans like robots that they can just send off to war, bring back, patch up, and if they don't work, they can just toss them out, put them in storage. They don't matter anymore. I I don't know. I guess I just want some robot stories that are happy. So far, we haven't had many of those. Uh, I feel like the types of robot stories that we want is not the type that mainstream anthologies are going to be covering that much. I sometimes feel like science fiction of a more, I think mainstream is a good word, are often attracted to darkness instead of light. Well, we're going through a particularly shitty political time right now, so I guess I can't expect like optimism and hope and sparkles. I mean, even though I didn't like like, like the story, it was a good story. Again, I'm doing this thing where I'll, it's a good story, but I don't like like it. It's just really powerful. I would say, yes, this gets one of my points just because it's so effective and what it's trying to do. I agree with that. It had a very specific purpose. And it met this purpose. It did. It's not really a science fiction story. It's more like horror, but I'll take it. Well, it's fantasy. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting meld. I really liked it. I wasn't as emotionally affected by it as you were. I, I thought it was a very good story and I, and I would give a point to... Yeah, I would definitely put a trigger warning for people who know veterans or have veterans um, and their family on the story. Be careful. Fair. Two points from us for Team Robot. Finally. Iron Heart by Jonathan Mayberry is the sixth story in the Robots versus Fairies anthology from Saga Press. If you read the story and you had thoughts about it, please let us know. You can send us a message at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com or you can ping us at fangirlpod on Twitter. So if you had uh, thoughts yourself, please let us know. Miss Marvel Volume 8 Mecca by G. Willow Wilson is the latest collection, one of the latest collections of Miss Marvel. It continues the story of the civil unrest in Jersey City. Kamala has to face some hard truths about her work as a superhero in her city and also learn how to share the spotlight with somebody new. I have a confession to make about Miss Marvel. I have been pulling Miss Marvel in single issue since the beginning, but I quit. <gasps> well, number one, it was money. Number two, time. And I guess I'm just really upset still with this comic. Not G. Will Wilson's writing, 
specifically because I still think she does an excellent job with this comic. But my favorite relationships in the comic were always Kamala and Bruno's friendships and Kamala's relationship with Captain Marvel. And those just feel broken in a way that I'm not sure how they're going to be fixed. And so I've been really lukewarm on this comic. So when I reread this, that feeling was still here. I really liked it. I thought it was very good for what it was. But those two things that had been plaguing me are still in the back of your mind. Yeah. We we were just talking about the short story that felt very real and very here and very topical. And I think this probably is the Miss Marvel issue or trade that feels very right here for me, especially in terms of what's happening in New Jersey, um, how the new mayor is a Nazi sympathizer. And then they create a group of people to police the streets and they act pretty much like ICE. But they're called KIND, K-I-N-D. It was engaging with the political atmosphere in the United States at the time that it was published. And I guess that was late 2015, 2016 already? Volume 8 was published in 2000, in December of 2017. But the issues would have been, ri- would, would have been written probably 2006, late 2016, early 2017. Yeah, okay. So that's right at the time of Donald Trump winning the presidency and then, and then the whole thing with ICE and the immigrants. And all of those issues are so out in the front in these issues of Miss Marvel. And they were very painful to read. One amazing scene I felt was when her brother Amir was taken because they suspect him of being an inhuman and his whole speech is about him being a Muslim and there being differences in the way that he's treated and then there is one puzzled moment and he's like these people are traditionalists traditionalists and conservatives I am a traditionalist and a conservative why are we not on the same side? The questioning in these issues were very good. And though I think those were the first four issues, and then there were they were very dark. And again, it's Kamala struggling with her role as a superhero, with her role in her community, and whether she can do everything and how she can face off enemies, but also friends turned enemies. And that was really dark and sad and heavy. And then you have two extra issues in which the storyline changes and they were super light and funny. They were light and funny, but they also ended kind of dark because Kamala is debating whether now that Red Dagger is in Jersey City, maybe that maybe she's not needed. Maybe she can take a break. Yeah. This is definitely like engaging with ICE, secret police, people stealing power. Because if you've been watching the news, you've been watching Republicans basically try to steal elections. That's a thing in here, like undermining democracy. So I kind of see Kamala's journey here as like being an activist and being just so burnt out and wondering if you're even valuable anymore, if if your work is even needed and debating whether you should step back. That's real to me because I'm having that, you know, debate right now with myself. Poor Kamala. That's hard. It's hard. She's so young. Yeah. To do that work, being that young and having all that responsibility on your shoulders and then wondering if maybe you've, maybe you're not wanted. Not even not needed, but not wanted. That's a recurring theme of Kamala's arc that has been going on for a while. And now it's kind of like it's reaching a momentum 
that I wonder where it's gonna go next. Have you read Beyond this one? No, I haven't. I read the first four issues, and then I just started collecting issues, and I wasn't reading them, and that's when I stopped pulling it. What I really want to happen, and I don't know if G. Willow Wilson will do this, is that Kamala seems very on her own at the very end of this trade. Red Dagger's getting all this attention. And what I really want is for her to have help in a way that feels like organic to her character, obviously. But because as an activist, you you need help. You can't go it alone all the time. And she had that with Bruno. And since she lost Bruno, she's just been doing everything herself. I really want to go back to the place where Kamala knows how to accept help. Yeah, because one of the things, too, is that Bruno knew her secret. And she doesn't have anyone else to confide in. So imagine that losing not only her best friend, but also someone who knows. And then she doesn't have anybody else that she can just relax and be herself, her full self. That is fucked up that they removed Bruno from the equation. But I really hope that Kamala can find her way back to feeling effective. Another thing that was really on the nose was the radicalization of a white boy. Yes. Gee, Willow Wilson went there. She went right to it. She was like, yep. Poor white boy. And meanwhile, Amir, who's done nothing, is sitting in lockup. Exactly. Oh, she wasn't fucking around with this this trade. I agree. I'm going to give Miss Marvel Volume 8 five space bees. I'm going to give it four because it's still not as good as Volume 5, <laughs> which was my favorite so far. You're going to compare all of them to Volume 5. Yeah. I can't wait for the day that, some, that one of these volumes takes over Volume 5's top spot. Volume 9? Will it be Volume 9? Will it? Will it? As long as there is some kiss in between Kamala and Red Dagger. Oh no. I ship it. Miss Marvel Volume 8 by G. Willow Wilson is out now from your local independent comic shop. If you had thoughts about this collection, we would love to hear them. We want to have very many discussions about Kamala because we love Kamala very much. So if you also love Kamala, hit us up. One of our new segments that is going to stay is our Obsessed segment. Nobody's come up with a better name for this segment, Anna. So now we're just going to keep it. It's fine. It's our Obsessed segment. What we are obsessed with. Anna, what have you been obsessed with the last few weeks? I am a vegan. I've been vegan for four years. Four or five years. One of the things that I never liked in my life was dairy products. I sometimes ate some butter. I was never into cheese. I always felt cheese was something really gross. I don't like the taste of cheese, except for Parmesan cheese. So that was me. And now I've became vegan and sometimes I really crave cheese for some reason. I tried out some of the vegan cheeses out there, most of them from Violife. It's the one that we can find a lot in the UK. And they are made from coconut oil and they are awful. I cannot stand them. So they have never been a part of my diet. So last November, I went to Amsterdam and we went to a vegan restaurant there called Mr. and Mrs. Watson, which is highly recommended if you are vegan and you want to go have something to eat in Amsterdam. This is the place to go. And they had a vegan cheese board. The cheeses were made of nuts, most specifically smoked almond. There was one that was, was just a smoked cheese. There was one that was kind of like a brie, another one that was a roquefort. And they were amazing. That kickstarted my obsession with vegan cheeses or 
vegan nut cheeses, to be more precise. And then I found a place in the UK called Tyne Cheeses. Cheese spelled C-H-E-A-S-E. And they make the most amazing cheeses. And I've had like the smoked one, the one with dill, the one with rosemary, the one with chives, the one with garlic, the one with onion. There is one, there is a cream cheese, which is made of cashew nuts and it has pecan nuts and also a caramel made of dates. If you want to try a vegan cheese, please try nut cheeses. I know this is probably, if there are any vegans out there, you probably know this already and it's not new to you, but it's new to me and I am obsessed. No, Renee, do not give me this look. They are not nut butters. Listen. No. It sounds no like nut butter to me. Hashtag no. I eat a lot of nut butter and this sounds like a nut butter. Nut butters is basically just the nuts that have been crushed. This is made of milk made of the nuts. And then they are treated with probiotics and some flavorings added. Like, for example, the smoked cheese is made with smoked paprika and salt. And that is it. They are not nut butters. This could be the great cousin of 2019. Are vegan cheeses cheese or nut butter? God. No, I'm really glad you found a cheese that you like. That's really exciting. I'm not sure how, how fattening they are or how fatty they are, rather. And I don't care. Well, they're made if they're made of nuts, if their base ingredient is nuts, isn't aren't nuts pretty Yes, but they are good fats. They are better fats than the fats out of um dairy, so better fats than the stuff I put in my body that you look at with horror. Because of you I've been making better choices. Ah. In two thousand eighteen I was like, I'm gonna quit soda. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna quit. And I haven't had any soda in over a year. I quit on January 1st of 2019 and I haven't had any since. Congratulations. Your obsession with finding delicious vegan stuff is paying off for you and other people around you. So congratulations. You're very welcome. If you find any nut cheeses, please try and eat them. And you will see that they are not nut butters. It's probably going to be nut butter, guys. But I'll defer to Anna on this point until I try them. I promise I'm not obsessed with nut butter. My topic is video games. I've been obsess- obsessed with video games. Not necessarily just playing them, but also like looking them up and finding cool ones coming out. For Christmas, my partner got me a Nintendo Switch. So if you don't know what the Nintendo Switch is, and I know Anna does not, it's like this little, it's like a console that you can hook up to your TV and it's got a little cradle and the console part is sits in the cradle but if you want you can pick up the console from the cradle put the controllers onto the console snap them on and play as a handheld one of the games i bought was okami hd okami is a beautiful beautiful game where you play as amaterasu you're a white wolf and you get to go around and beat up monsters and make things bloom and it's just a very beautiful game i've just been going back through all the games that i used to love and playing a bunch of different games like i've been playing okami like i said i've been um one of my friend daniel came and he bought me super mario odyssey which is basically you as mario running around with a sentient hat what so he's paired up with a sentient hat and if you throw the hat at things the hat will possess the thing you throw it at last year i played a bunch of mass effect andromeda and horizon zero dawn i know i've talked about those games before i love them 
They're so good. I love both of them so much. I've just been amazed at like the scope of games now. I'm going to send you a trailer of the teaser for The Last of Us Part 2. Like six-year-old me would have been like, you're a fucking liar if somebody told them that this game would exist when I was an adult. I would have been like, you're a goddamn liar. I would never have believed you. I want to put it in our show notes too. The Last of Us was a game that came out a few years ago uh, from Naughty Dog. And it follows a girl who is being taken across the country by a man. And it's after the zombie apocalypse. Except these zombies are different. The first game was pretty gutting. It was very much like a dystopia game. I didn't play it. I watched Zach play it. But the sequel looks pretty amazing because the little girl in the first game has grown up into a woman and now she's I guess gonna be the main character there are other games that I want to play like Rumu it's about a little cleaning cleaning robot and I've been playing a lot of Sailor Moon Drops and it's like what's that I I recognize the individual words (laughs) so if you play a lot of Candy Crush and you love it you might be like me and you may have dropped Candy Crush deleted the app from your phone and switched wholesale to Sailor Moon Drops, which is Candy Crush, but but themed with Sailor Moon. I love it a lot more than I do Candy Crush because, like, you can make friends in Sailor Moon Drops, and then, like, you're, you can send your friends hearts, and your friends can send you hearts, and it's just very nice and very hard. There are a lot of events that are very hard. Anna, you could, you could play it. Sailor Moon Drops. It's fun. I bet that would take over my entire community if I let it. It would, yes. So that's what I've been obsessed with, is all of these games that have been coming out, that have come out, like, it's just a world of riches for games now. I'm just going to warn the internet, because Kingdom Hearts comes out this month. Kingdom Hearts 3. I played the first Kingdom Hearts. I pre-ordered it. I was there from the beginning. It's been 84 years. (laughs) Because that's how long we've been waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3. We've been waiting a while, and I know I'm excited. I know a lot of our listeners who play video games are probably excited too. Hey guys! And now I have to figure out where I have time to like replay the first two games so I can be prepared. I love games, Anna. I'm sorry you don't have time for them. Games right now are so amazing and filled with story that I think some of them you would really love, and they're not like games that go on forever, like Candy Crush or whatever. They're very specific narrative stories. Games have just come so far, and I'm so amazed at the skill which which some people make games. Games! If there are any games coming out in 2019, Space Bees that you know of, like space games or adventure games, please let me know about it. If you have any recommendations for older games, also let me know about it. I have a PlayStation 4, a PlayStation 3, a Wii, a Switch, a DS, Game Boy Advance, Game GameCube. My god. I have a lot of consoles. I also have Steam. Yeah, I have a Steam link so I can play Steam games. So definitely, definitely if you have Steam game recommendations, please let me know that as well. Our show is made possible by our patrons. Thanks to all our patrons at all pledge levels. Our show isn't only made by us. So many people help make Fangirl Happy Hour what it is. So starting right now, we want to highlight our patrons at our $5 pledge level across each episode. So a huge thank you to Alicia, Amanda, Amy, Anne-Marie, and Brandy. To Claire, Dierbla, Elisa, Elisa M., and Hedwig, thank you. 
Thanks to Jen, Jocelyn, Karen, KJ, and Lara. And last but not least, thanks to Margot, Mark, Philip, and Transcendancing. Our show is better because of the people who support it, the people who listen, and the people who critique and challenge us to be more thoughtful consumers of media. We are grateful to all of you. Thanks for listening to Fanger Happy Hour. We'd love to hear from you with your thoughts about the media or topics we discussed or any recs you have. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at fangirlpod. Our podcasting team includes our show artist, Ira, and our transcription queen, Susan. You can find our work on our website at fangirlhappyhour.com. Our team also includes all our Patreon supporters, newsletter subscribers, and you, curiously listening to this podcast. Don't forget to drink water, contact your reps, and be kind to small animals. Do not let the world judge you. Thanks for listening to our show, Space Bees. See you next episode. I mean, you just put the cursor at the end of your name and hit enter and then tab. Enter and then tab. <gasps> now you now you know for next time. <laughs> like Renee, uh, it really frustrates me that I can't do all of this super technical thing with audio, Anna. I don't know how to do the square thing. Oh god, is there a plane? Yes. Did you just go to your kitchen and chop up a body? <laughs> what? I, that's what it sounded like. Maybe I've taken the whole true crime podcast to the extra level. This is how I, this is going to be my advice for this episode. Make time for time. What? Let's invite him. Well, I did. But, of course, I did it via Twitter. Maybe you should invite him. You're more important. So maybe you should do it. Let's see. You're gonna be so fucking bored. You're gonna be like, what do you mean this is relaxing? <laughs>